As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that measures your intelligence by your sensitivity to our noise, it's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings. are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's had enough of turnip bread. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. I've never had it, and I already am. Ahoy! <laughs> Each week, we'll chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Good to have you back, my friend. Thank Welcome. you. Back Thank to you. Pop. You popped in to talk a little Black Adam last week, but you were feeling yes. under the weather. So update yeah. us on your uh, your health. How you doing? I feel great. It's just my voice, and I have a little bit of cough left. But uh, other than that, I'm fine. It's kind of like how I was last week, except nowhere near as bad as <laughs> as the uh, as the uh, the segment that you saw me for Black Adam were. I was about to die. I was. <laughs> hey, let's talk about Dwayne the Rock Johnson, guys. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much well, how I was, but now I feel I feel great. It's just good, good. It's nice to have you on the mend. Uh, we are heading pretty full force into awards season. Uh, this is that time of year yeah. where you're going to start hearing a lot more of the reviews we're doing of movies that maybe limited release, maybe aren't technically everywhere yet uh that's already happened uh when we talked about some of the fantastic fest stuff uh but that's going to happen more and more now it also is headed into the holiday season which means there's there's also going to be big movies as well like I, for instance next week i think is uh 
well, not next week. Two weeks is as uh, Black, Black Panther. Panther. Yeah, and that'll kick off a you know a series of of pretty big movies that are going to happen over the holidays. And when I say big, I also mean long. Uh, apparently, some of the movies this uh, this winter are going to be super long. Uh, Damien Chazelle's new movie, uh, it was announced, will be three twenty, I think. Um, uh, Babylon and uh, Avatar: Way of Water was announced to be like three fifteen, something like that. So, well, that so, one yeah. I kind of expected to have a yeah. pretty good runtime to it. I kind of feel like I kind of, and, and we'll get, we'll get into the show here, but I kind of feel like James Cameron. It, like he's, I think he's a little bit anti, uh, you know, breaking up the movie and doing, you know, some sort of intermission kind of thing. But I really wish once you hit three hours that movies would just do an intermission, like figure out how to, you know, uh, do an intermission without hurting the film, right? You know, just find that place where it makes sense to let the audience take a break, go to the bathroom if they need to. But especially when your movie is called The Way of Water. Uh, I just think <laughs> <laughs> I just think there's going to be a lot of sounds and noises that people are really going to want to take a break uh, there towards the middle. And I just think Cameron, of all people, could figure out how to do this creatively, right? Mm. It, like, if nothing else, he could have an inter- like a 10-minute intermission where it was almost like this effects kind of test ground where he could do cool 3d stuff during it and if people wanted to stick around for the intermission they'd see like you know uh cool underwater effects or i don't know you know what i mean like he could have some fun with it it seems like what 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 (laughs) struck me as funny was the fact that the first thing i thought of and i don't know why was one of those old cheap 90s screensavers you know where they just have like the picture of blue water yes. and then like <laughs> right, yes. the gif of a fish going back and flying toasters yeah yeah that kind of thing yeah um but there there will not there will not be intermissions that's not something movies do anymore um no. but uh but yeah so you know maybe just don't drink any water the day before and then uh yeah. and then yeah that's healthy completely healthy just completely uh you know stop drinking water and then uh then go to the movie nine that's out of ten works. doctors recommend it that's right. That's right. Uh, speaking of award season, we've got a couple of awards. Uh, I almost said bait. That's a negative connotation. Uh, awards contending movies that are looking uh, to kind of be in that conversation. We're going to talk about Tar, um, and we're going to talk about All Quiet on the Western Front. The best ever challenge is going to be Kate Blanchett movies um, because of her performance in Tar. And uh, and then we'll also, of course, get into some buried treasure along the way. Uh, you ready, Andrew? Ready to get oh, into this? Oh, let's make it happen. All right, let's talk about Tar. How's the writing going? Not so well. I keep hearing something. Schopenhauer measured a man's intelligence against his sensitivity to noise. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed by emotion? Yes. Yes, it does happen. The film, set in the international world of classical music, centers on Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composer-conductors and first-ever female chief conductor of a major German orchestra. Kate Blanchett stepping into the conductor role here with the baton. Todd Field in the conductor role of the director. Um, This is probably... A, an attempt for many awards categories, I would imagine, as we head towards a award season. Uh, Andrew, what did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? 
I'm going to go with really liked it. I really liked it. What about you? I'm going to I'm going to join you there actually. I think that's where I landed too. High side of liked it. Um I really wanted to love this movie. I've heard a lot yeah. uh, a lot of uh, positive buzz about this movie, so I went in primed to expect it to be something great and it is something great. I think even beyond my own personal enjoyment or personal feelings, uh I think a good place to start is to just say this is a great movie. Like it's a really well done film. And mm. if nothing else, you're going to come away impressed by performances, directing choices, cinematography choices. Uh, it, I mean, if nothing else, you could close your eyes and just listen to the music in this movie and it would blow your mind. The sound, this is one of those movies that doesn't feel like you would need to see it in a movie theater. But I'm highly recommending recommending seeing this in a theater for the sound alone and how it envelops you with this classical uh, orchestral music. Uh, really impressive stuff. What about you? What were some of the things that you really liked about it? Well, definitely the sound is uh, one of the highlights of the movie for me. And I totally agree with you in your statement of saying that you need to see this in theaters because you really do pick up on... Uh, vicariously seeing or hearing the hypersensitive hearing that she has, like as she walks around her apartment. I think that a lot of that kind of stuff would be lost in like a home theater setup, regardless of how good of a setup you have. Mm -hmm. Um, That is like one of the, uh, whenever I think of this movie, that's going to be one of the first things I think of. But obviously the very first thing that if you bring up this movie, the first thing I'm going to think of is Kate Blanchett just is transcendent, I guess is the best word I can think of. It's incredible. It's incredible work. Yeah. She becomes a conductor. She becomes Mm -hmm. a composer. Uh, uh, Just reading some of the things that she did to prepare for this role uh, is astounding. She learned German. She... Mm-hmm. She, and you can tell it pays dividends in this movie. It really does. It really does. Um, I think that it, you you understand what type of movie you're getting into during the very beginning. And actually, the very first two scenes of this movie are my two favorite scenes of the movie. That's not saying that the movie drops off, you know, afterwards. But mm-hmm. I'm saying that it does such an amazing job of introducing us to this so that character. Would be- just to clarify, that would be the interview scene. The interview the, the, and then the Juilliard the, scene. And then the Juilliard mm-hmm. scene, yes. Okay, I wanted, yeah. just wanted to make sure those are the two scenes you're talking about. Yeah. Correct, yeah, yeah. Um, especially that Juilliard scene. Um, the dialogue in that scene is is just astonishing. Yeah. It's just so well written. And one of my favorite things is the lack of dialogue, like the physicality that's going on in that scene, along with the... By the way, that's all one unbroken. It, it may have different cuts, but from what I understand of the filming, that entire Juilliard thing was a one take for the actors. Oh, right. So, yeah, I think many of the scenes actually are like this. They're not one shots, right? We're not yeah. we're not using the same camera. We are cutting to different cameras. But the idea is that it's real time and that it is one take take uh from what Correct. i understand many of those are and that may be fudged here or fudged there but for the most part you're dealing with a a group of actors who came together to live these long scenes because these scenes are long you talk you say yeah. oh the first two scenes were my favorite well by the time we're done with the first two scenes we're like 40 <laughs> minutes 20, into the movie 25 like, <laughs> minutes in yeah yeah 
<laughs> so, yeah, it's that kind of movie, and but it works yeah. somehow, you know. I don't know about you, but whenever it comes to movies like this, these are the movies that I've always found to be uh, not awards bait, but movies that I've I always favor whenever it comes to awards contention, and that's whenever you have a film about an individual who is the master of their field and mm-hmm. seeing how that type of, that uh that title i guess of being a master in your field how that bleeds over into every aspect of your life mm-hmm. um how that uh i guess you could say the individual ceases and the and the craftsman begins it, uh, it that may sound kind of pretentious but I really do feel like that that's what movies like this are trying to say that uh that people like uh Kate Blanchett's character uh Tar really cease to be a person and are only to themselves as well as everybody else around them uh their their craft that's all that they are uh what uh what did you think of uh, some of the performances in this movie? Well, you mentioned Kay, and I just am blown away uh, by her performance. I yeah. think it it would be uh, almost unfair to any of the other actors to play the comparison game, but they're they're all really good. No, nobody in this movie doesn't feel authentic. Everybody in this movie feels like like an authentic person in this world. <clears throat> um, Mark Strong is is great. So um, the the girl that plays um, uh, Olga uh, Sophie, I believe, is the the actor's name. Mm. Um, she's she's incredible. Um, also, an incredible cellist. By the way, everybody in it's this a movie real played played their own instruments that yeah. amazingly. That's that blew my mind when I found that out. Like, it, it, and it made sense because it looked and sounded so authentic. Yeah, but um, but to get it's that sports movie thing, right? Where you you want do you want a great actor? Or do you want a great basketball player? Right, mm. and to find both is almost impossible. Um, and I f- I feel the same way with like virtu virtuoso musicians. Like, do you want a virtuoso musician or do you want a great actor? In this movie, I think found enough of both. I thought Sophie was great. I thought Nina Haas was great. Um, Naomi Merlant uh, was was wonderful. Uh, everybody is uh, around, but this is Kate's movie. But everybody around her yeah. is is servicing that in a in a really beautiful way. I thought. Oh, I one hundred percent agree. Yeah, totally. It, it is shocking how talented some people are that to where they could be, uh, you know, master musicians and still have the acting and have acting chops as well to mm-hmm. give a believable performance. What is your uh, history with like uh, classical music and stuff? Is this like a, I'm a, a big type? F- I'm a big fan of classical music. Mm. Um, I there is, you know, I, I I played in band in in high school, and I love music. I've been a singer uh, in different groups and things like that. But <clears throat> I'm not a virtuoso of anything musically. Uh, I just really enjoy the idea of music, how it makes me feel. I love how it puts me in touch with different emotions. Um, and there's some of that beautiful language about music in this movie too that I really appreciated. <clears throat> Classical music is one of those things that is hard to really reproduce what you experience in a concert hall with an incredible orchestra, right? Like that's that's really hard to uh, replicate 
in the home uh, without a spectacular sound system, right? Yeah. So whenever I get a chance to see an orchestra live, I am in. I want to hear all the classical stuff. I blows my mind. I haven't studied an immense amount, but I don't listen to a lot of it like working out or, you know, whatever, um, because it just, it's not the same experience for me. Uh, I think I've mentioned the Weird Al concert I went to was the one where he toured with a full orchestra, and it was one of the greatest things ever. And the pre-show, the pre-show of that concert was just the orchestra playing like movie soundtracks and stuff, and it just it was so great. It was so wonderful. Um, so that's kind of my experience with with classical music. What about you? Uh, I've been to one symphony, and that was the uh, Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Um, it's it's forgettable for me because a I think during the time I saw it, which was around high school, um, I kind of had that young person mentality towards classical music of, ah, oh, come on, I want to go see a Gorillas concert or I want to go see, <laughs> you know, it, it just classical music didn't wasn't on my radar ever, so mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate it when I saw it. But I think if I were to go back now, that I would have you know, a, a more seasoned understanding of the, you know, the true beauty behind some of these older classical uh, composers and the work that they did. And I think that that's maybe why the, um, that Juilliard scene sticks with me so much because uh, I, I, the thing that I think you're supposed to take away from that scene is uh, you have this modern look or this modern viewpoint of some of these old composers to where the focus for a lot of these young people isn't on uh, the work itself, it's on the individual who composed it. And I, I really I, re- <laughs> I really like how that scene trend, uh, you know, f- finishes up. It's just such an amazing way of saying like, What's more important, the individual who made it or the 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 composition itself, which is which is truly the important factor here? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have any negatives for this one? I do. I I think this movie this is going to be a positive for me that rolls into a negative. Okay. Mm. Uh, so this is what keeps me from just flat out loving this movie. Now, if you listen, listen to Sif pop more than one episode, uh, you, you know that themes and messages are always going to be prominent for me and where I find a movie to be transcendent. Uh, I can Mm. find a movie to be a lot of fun, enjoy watching it. It's great. But then if you lock in a message or theme that I get to chew on and think about and process, uh, then you're going next level. And this movie does that for most of the movie. This movie gives you a lot to think about in a, a surprisingly nuanced way about the idea of uh, fallible heroes, the idea of what it means does art become less when the person creating the art becomes less or we find out about their human fallibilities and who they are. Um, Part of the beautiful Juilliard conversation has to do with, you know, Bach and Beethoven and, you know, these incredible perpetrators of amazing music, but also maybe perpetrators of things you don't want to think about, you know, like in, and you go back to any artist and go, okay, who were they as a human being? 
We certainly deal with that with filmmakers and all sorts of things. And this movie tackles it, and I feel like a very nuanced way for oh, uh, for most of the movie. And in a way where you're not 100% sure how you're supposed to feel about the protagonist, which I kind of mm. like. I, I, yeah. I kind of really enjoyed that. Uh, the movie is nuanced, so nuanced that you find yourself, um, and maybe it says something about me and maybe other people have a different experience, which I totally understand and, and totally agree. Maybe other people are like, oh no, the protagonist was an evil person from the beginning. That's not what I felt like the movie was doing. And that's not what I felt like the not performance was doing. Um, I think the movie and performance were very much saying that th- that this is a human and that these are these are terrible things that this human has done with terrible consequences. And there should be repercussions for those terrible consequences. And I think the way this movie ends ends like final moment is saying these are the the you know the repercussions these are the consequences um but the all of that beauty all of those messages and this is where it turns in to a little bit of a negative for me i never felt like the movie on anything that it wanted to say ever came to a place where it really landed its energy. It never seemed to really come to any kind of resolution towards the end of the movie where I felt like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I don't want it to preach to me. I was glad it wasn't preaching to me, but it it ended in a, and I don't mean the like ending, ending last scene. I just mean like the, the third act resolution yeah. uh, for me felt a little light on, um, you know, the ability for me to really understand its worldview. And that's, that's okay. I don't, again, I don't mind the nuance, but I want something to react to, to think about, to chew on. And I don't feel like the movie gave me enough when all was said and done uh, on the topics that it was painting uh, and going for. Um, How did you feel about all that? How did you feel about what the movie was saying? Uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, maybe a little bit more to, towards the uh, negative side of it all. Um, I, I do enjoy the fact that this movie uh, deals a lot with insinuation. Because I don't think that the movie ever comes out and fully blatantly says that uh, the things that she's accused of actually happened. It's all insinuation from the movie's perspective of, yeah, it's pretty likely, like, it's most likely this is the case. Certainly leans that way, yeah. Exactly. But we never see, um, uh, you know, a a scene, or we never see dialogue from her uh, confirming any of these accusations, and hopefully this isn't spoilerish, what we're kind of talking about here. I don't think it is. We're talking about it. There has to be some kind of conflict in a movie, so you have to Mm -hmm. understand that. Um but the fact that it does that, I was never able to commit to a a, a just dessert for a, a character. You know, it, it's it. I don't mean to steal this quote from another movie based on music, but let's just say not my tempo. <laughs> you know, towards the end, I think that the ending of this movie, so much was happening that it wasn't until after a specific scene was over that I was fully able to understand and grasp what I just saw. Mm-hmm. And by that time, the, the movie had already moved on to the next part. And I'm like, 
Oh, okay. So I, it felt like the ending. I was trying to play catch up with a whole lot of it. Uh, my go in, ahead. my instinct is that what what we're going for here is we're all human beings. We all have tendencies. We all have you know uh, desires, wants, ambitions, all of these things. And I think yeah. what the movie is going for is if you can't pursue your ambitions and not be a crappy person. Is it worth it? I think that's what what the movie is going for is saying like emphasize your 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 angels and not your demons. And mm. for many people who find success, it's hard not to emphasize their demons. Um, and I think the movie makes a clear, pretty clear statement on the protagonist's um, uh, actions being at least icky, if not. Um, terrible and certainly some of the consequences of those quote-unquote icky actions are extremely terrible um so i think the movie has a clear point of view on some of those decisions um and when it's all said and done i think that's okay i don't i don't need the movie to paint starkly villains and heroes that's good in some movies that's not what this movie is about but for me, I do want the movie to paint starkly in right and like not right and wrong even, but the idea of morality and and ethics and where where we're headed with um, with the theme. So, and I'm trying to talk around plot stuff, um, sure. but the the movie the movie says some says some interesting things, but I'm not sure it finds a way to land the conversation in a satisfying or interesting way. Um, so that's that's just kind of where I land on that stuff. And that's the reason it keeps me from being in that wholehearted love because there's so much of this movie that is entertaining, engaging. Uh, it takes a lot of skill to make a movie this talky feel this engaging. Uh, and I think it, it really does. Um, and a lot of that, again, has to do with performances. But, uh, you know, one of the things we haven't talked about is Todd Field, who, what, 16 years since he's directed a movie? Uh, Little yeah. Children was 2006. Um, and it's only his third movie uh, that he's directed. So as far as a feature length film. So, yeah, In the Bedroom in 2001, Little Children in 2006, and then this. And, um, man, what what... I, I have a lot of respect for that, actually, you know, for somebody just like, eh, it's been 16 years. Let's make a movie again, you know, uh, yes. It, and then just to to do this and, and give Kate Blanchett this amazing opportunity. I, I cannot overstate how amazing she is in this movie. I just it's some of those conducting performances. And she's the one person in this movie that didn't necessarily have the musical background before being cast in this movie. Like she had to learn a lot of that stuff, a lot of the musicality and how a conductor um would work and man she is she has got that virtuoso conductor thing nailed so it's yeah, oh yeah it's really interesting yeah it 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 can't be un it cannot be understated how impressive it is to have a full true authentic orchestra uh right in front of you playing and for you to give a performance that lends to that authenticity like it's truly remarkable how well she uh, prepared herself for this role. Mm -hmm. Truly, truly remarkable. I love how just personal and intimate this movie is. It's it's confined, yet the orchestra aspect lends itself to 
a level of grandeur mm-hmm. that uh, is a nice compliment, I guess. Uh, it's it's composed brilliantly, and the fact that uh, this movie is directed by Old Drippy from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the accolade that I hope Todd Field is known for at sure. the end of his career. That sure. he was in an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force's Old Drippy. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it'll be yeah. paragraph one on his eventual obituary. Mm-hmm. Uh, any final thoughts about Tar? There is a two and a half hour post credit scene. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, yeah. I did find that interesting. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I... I'm trying to think what a movie is trying to prove. By by the way, we're talking about the fact that they ran a ton of the credits before the movie and then also ran a ton of credits after the movie. I just, I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish there other than possibly, I know you're trying to say these people are important. I get they're important, but I didn't, I didn't come here to sit through their, their names and sitting through their names. Do I remember any of them? Like if, if they're, like I don't know. I just don't know what you're trying to accomplish with that. Um, well, I find it, it annoying. It, from what I understand, and I'm I'm just a, you know spitballing here. I think that what the movie's trying to do is because it's a black screen, and then the, the titles for you know the crew pop up mm-hmm. uh, while this music is being sung in the background. I think that the movie is trying to say in the beginning, focus on the audio. The audio is going to be what really drives this movie. So if you can focus on okay. the 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 subtle uh, uh, sounds of nature and kids laughing in the background while this lady is singing this beautiful song, um, that's really what uh, I think the movie is trying to say. Like, hey, focus on this. Uh, it could have been done better, though. Yeah. Uh, my one final thing is that this movie is not without humor. There are some uh, funny moments. There's a moment with an accordion that I thought was one of the the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> so, um, so it is not without humor. Uh, if you know, if you were thinking it might be a little self serious, maybe it is on occasion. But it it does have a few laughs and a few smiles uh, along the way. So yeah. there you go. That, I could totally understand. Oh, I'm sorry. I, no, I could no, totally ahead. understand somebody coming away from this movie just thinking it's pretentious awards bait movie but i think that there's more here to it than that i I think it i think it would be hard to come away from this one feeling that way simply because of how dominant blanchett's performance is i think that Mm. alone kind of transcends it beyond just oh awards bait stuff like you you watch this and you're just you're you're in awe of what what she's doing here so yeah so yeah uh that is tar it is in theaters i think it's gone fairly wide this week uh, so you might be able to find it nearby if you want to check it out Uh, all right let's move on to our next review let's talk about all quiet on the western front paul balmer and his friends albert and mueller egged on by romantic dreams of heroism voluntarily enlist in the german army full of excitement and patriotic fervor the boys enthusiastically march into a war they believe in but once on the western front they discover the soul destroying horror of world war 1 of course all quiet on the <clears throat> western front uh is a classic film that uh came out in like 1930 um so it is um almost 100 years old the original and this is a bit of a remake of that film um, with a lot more, 
let's say, depth and intensity and technological prowess behind it. Uh, what did you think of All Quiet on the Western Front, Andrew? I should also say it's on Netflix. Uh, mm. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I'm going to go with loved it. Absolutely loved it. Very nice. Um, I'm going to go with high side of liked it. Um, and it just couldn't quite stretch into loved it for me, but I definitely think this is an astounding movie. Andrew, why don't you talk a little bit, since you're in the loved it uh, category, about what you loved about this movie? Well, uh, like you said, it's you know it's an old movie and a novel, which I think is required reading in schools. Um, yeah, I should have mentioned it, the novel as well, yes. Yeah, uh, I think we, I don't know about you, but we had to read it in middle school. And uh, the the big takeaway from the novel, and I think it's supposed to, you know, also translate into this movie as well, and I think it does beautifully, is this is a, one of those very rare occasions where you see the story being told from the loser's point of view. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, war movies that we see are, you know, American war movies uh, where we win, like World War II. So there's kind of this semblance as as hor- horrific as a movie like Saving Private Ryan, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, as horrific and terrifying as that movie is, there's still a semblance of they're, they're going to win, you know, it in could, the end. It could be argued every Vietnam movie ever is. And I was about to say that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is, <laughs> is that Vietnam is one of those examples where, you know, every single... Uh, one you're like oh they're gonna lose but this is from a point of view of this is the end of the war roughly uh, and it's just horrifying and in the beginning of this movie all i could keep saying to myself is they're kids they're kids and it's so heartbreaking like it brought a tear to my eye seeing the uh at the beginning of this movie, whenever you see everybody getting their uniforms and, you know, standing in that uh, that stairwell as they're being given that uh, call to arms speech and just seeing the optimism and the, uh, the love of fatherland and, you know, nothing, uh, uh, nothing can get us down like we're invincible. But at the same time, you know, as an audience member, like, it's going to be horrible, and and the there's not really a transition, as well as as so much as a uh, uh, jumping out of a plane without a parachute, uh, landing in reality. Sort of, it's just so immediate and sudden and shocking. It's it's a it's a beautifully told for as much as the horror I, th- I would say this is one of the most brutal and terrifying war movies I've ever seen um, but that ends that lends itself to a level of authenticity I believe uh, I agree with all of that uh, I just recently within the last couple years uh, I think during the pandemic actually um, during the early pandemic uh, watched the original 1930 movie and really mm. thought it was incredible for many of the same reasons that this movie is. And I think this movie honors the book and the original movie 
um, <clears throat> in, by keeping kind of that same tone, but advancing our ability to be there, the authenticity of, of the violence and the different things of what it would mean to be a soldier. One of the things in, in both movies is how quickly our protagonists realize how wrong they were about their yeah. ideas. Um, because in most movies, the idea of a film generally is protagonist conflict, protagonist change, right? And that generally progressively happens through a movie. A, a protagonist learns something, becomes something gradually through the movie until the resolution is the new protagonist, their new view, their new situation, those kind of things. It's kind of storytelling 101. Yeah. This movie, on the other hand, goes protagonist, protagonist view, crisis right at the beginning, and then just, you know, torture. <laughs> just, you yeah. know. So, the, yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's like, uh, and I think that's because. That's authentic, probably, to many soldiers' experience with war. Uh, they think they know what they're getting into, and they they don't realize, especially in this era of war that was um, so advanced human beings to the front lines based, um, you know, cannon fodder based, uh, the, how r ridiculously uh, brutal and nihilistic war uh, is uh, for the soldiers and for the human beings that sacrifice their lives um, for whatever cause they believe worthy. And uh, the movie also, because it is from a German point of view, helps you, maybe empathize is too strong of a word, but helps you understand this idea of patriotism isn't righteousness. Patriot patriotism isn't the be all and end all and this this idea of you know sacrifice of those those who have have died for a country or a cause or those things in war um if you're not wrestling with the ugliness of it no matter where you're approaching it from you are that patriot patriotism can be delusion and we have to be very very careful that love of country doesn't result in a delusion that uh, creates the loss of life when it, it doesn't necessarily uh, need to be that way. Now, I'm not trying to make any kind of assessment on when war is good, when it's bad. You know my personal views as a pacifist are that it's always bad. That's fine. We can have that discussion as human beings uh, who can agree to disagree on some things. But the, the idea of that feeling, I think this movie does a great job of going, oh, patriotism is just this thing that gets you to hell <laughs> in this case. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and that's true for a German who fought in World War One. It's true for an American who fought in Vietnam. It's true for an American that fought in World War Two. It's, you know, which is often seen as the most righteous of wars. And, uh, you know, so no matter what it is, those in in uh, inciting um, thoughts and feelings uh, are real and they're they're real for the German soldier and they're real for the American soldier and they're real for the French soldier and um, it's uh it's not something that is unique to uh, our country and that's that's a valuable thing to explore I think yeah um, it's the the beginning the opening of this movie I'll just call it the recycling scene mm -hmm, sure it that itself 
I think is probably the most brutal, harsh reality mm-hmm. type of way to start a movie to give the audience the uh, the idea of where this country is mm-hmm. during the war. Um, and that in itself also lends itself to whenever in the beginning of this movie you see the optimism of our uh, protagonist and uh, the uh, that feeling of, of righteousness and honor and stuff that uh, that you can tell you know immediately based off of that very first scene um, that uh, it's going to be a, a harsh reality and a harsh eye opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, Edward Berger does such a remarkable job of filming this movie to have so much beauty and combined in in a level of uh, horror that I haven't seen in a movie in a very long time. Uh, trench warfare just is one of the most brutal, violent, horrible things you can imagine. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's it's unfathomable that this that this type of thing happened. It's it's hard to put into words, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie is war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. The movie, uh, and 100%. I think it is the. There is this just astonishing sequence of events that happens at the end of this movie that really brings home this perspective uh in a in a powerful and tragic way and uh, i'm you know not going to spoil that other than to say it's clear that this movie has a very distinct point of view uh it ends with some facts about world war one specifically the mm. western uh front um between uh you know as germany was trying to push west um and the those facts are just devastating and in in just a way that the movie says these are just facts you know these are just numbers and facts and yet think about what they mean and for that if nothing else this movie is powerful and probably worth experiencing and investing your time in in much the same way saving private ryan is or some of the other you know big war movies where they put you in the middle of it and go, no, 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 no. I need you to understand what war actually is. Um, and that's I, I do think that is is valuable. Yeah. Where, where I kind of lean into the not loved it, but just really, really liked it camp is I'm – I think I'm to a place where in many ways I'm I'm almost experiencing a horror movie – for a lot of this and i have to ask myself a personal question which is how does this edify me like personally like how am i being edified in these moments how am i being built up and i don't the the only answers i have for this movie and i think they're valid answers are technical things um the use of sound in this movie the use of color in this movie like i can watch this movie and be edified by going Wow, incredible filmmaking. Just there there are shots in this movie that are are really really amazing and wonderful. But I've but I'm 
I'm not saying I can't be influenced or, you know, made to think deeper on this topic. But at what point do I go, I've seen enough young men, children get blown up, blown to bits on a battlefield for my life. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm partway through this movie and I'm just like, do I really need to see more of it? Like, I, I get it. I get it. I understand. Like, and so there is that element for me personally. So this goes beyond the idea of a greater review, like how you might feel about this movie, those kind of things. But if you like me have this experience, I want to kind of, you know, uh, warn you, you know, for that. Um, I did, I got halfway about three quarters in and I never wanted to turn it off both because I know I have a job to do as far as, you know, being thinking critically about the movie and, and letting the movie tell me the complete story and then talking about the movie afterwards. But if I didn't have this show, there would have been that inkling of, man, I just, I just don't know that I need to see, I I know how this ends. (laughs) I I don't need to see, uh, another body blown apart. I don't need to see, um, another tragic instance of a completely pointless, you know, loss of a young person's life. Um, and that's the only reason I, I kind of don't teeter into that loved it camp is because for me, the movie became, uh, a, a bit um, torturous. So in, in, intentionally. So I'm not saying it's not intentionally. Yeah. So um, I just, I'm not sure personally how much more of that I need to see to get the point. Yeah. You're not going to see any glorification in a movie like right. this. Right. And uh, that in itself lends to a very difficult viewing experience and uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that I disagree with you, Aaron, because no, no, no. there was no, what I mean is like at the end, of, like as, the, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, man, I don't know if I need this in my life right now, because mm-hmm. if what the movie's trying to tell me is war is horrible and it sucks, I knew that already. So why put myself through this? If I'm just going to come away with the exact same mentality that I did going into it. Right. And, and if you learn something, like I'm, I'm always open to learn something. I'm always open for a movie to teach me something, make me feel something I haven't felt before. Um, and it's unfortunate. It's so very unfortunate. But I don't know that this movie really teaches or tells me something I haven't been taught or told you know, before in other movies like that. Does that make it a bad movie? Not at all. I, I'm I'm glad this movie exists. For some people, this will be the movie that teaches them those things, that puts them, yeah. you know, in that place. For me, it starts to feel a little bit like warnography, uh, if that makes sense. You know, like where it's it's reveling in the um the the destruction of it all not not in a celebratory way no it's not but, glamorous but just in a uh i'm going to keep showing you the the uh the absolute grotesqueness of of what this is um so well, yeah it, what at what point at, where is that line where it becomes gratuitous and i don't i don't know i i honestly don't know yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's like people ask all the time, why do they keep making war movies? They all say mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. And to that, I would go, well, they keep having wars. Yeah. So the whole point of a war film is to show you how unglamorous and how terrifying and how awful it is. 
I mean, so that's, that's war- not necessarily the point of every war film. There are certainly World War II war films that are celebratory and, you know, oh, meant okay, to show you're you. going to have movies like Inglorious Bastards and stuff like right. that. But I, from what, what I'm trying to say is even those movies, they're still terrifying and horrible, mm-hmm. you know. There's still an underlying notion, maybe not so quite on the nose as some movies like Saving Private Ryan or 1917 or uh, a Platoon even, you know, just going Mm -hmm. across all these famous war movies that really stand the test of time. They all say the same thing. War is hell. We need to stop doing this to each other. And Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to keep getting war films so long as we keep going to war. And I'm also well aware that pacifism is a privilege. You know, pass, you know pacifism is a, a privilege of my own life, my own existence. Um, and I'm, I'm fully aware that that, that viewpoint is uh, much easier for some than others. I, I totally get that. Um, but, uh, and that's part of why these, these movies exist uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I think it, it is definitely one of those movies, and we can just kind of go to to you know the one last thing, which for me is I if you if you are too if you haven't yet had that moment of you know understanding the grotesqueness the gruesomeness of war I, I this is this is valuable it's I I genuinely think it's valuable to tell hard stories horrible mm. stories. I think I think that's that's not only okay, I think it's important. Um and in that way I would encourage you. If you aren't aren't as sensitive as maybe I am to the pain of um and pointlessness of war, if it's something that you know, you it's not going to impact you in such a negative way or at least and when I say that, it's a matter of degrees. I'm not saying, hey, if you're the person that loves watching bodies get blown up, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there are degrees of how that that impacts people. And you can watch this and, and not have that negative impact in your heart and soul. Then it is a spectacular movie to watch. There, there are scenes in this movie that I would recommend outside of the grotesqueness of war. There are incredible scenes of... Um, uh, friendship and camaraderie, camaraderie yeah. and those kind of things. There are incredible moments of visual stunningness. Uh, there's a lot here to be um, respected. So uh, that that's kind of my one last thing is this is this is a movie that I I wholeheartedly think is important and would be a powerful watch for anyone who watched it. Um, so don't take my own hesitations and reservations and experience for the movie to mean that it's a a bad movie or one that, uh, that you shouldn't watch. So what about you, Andrew? Uh, final thing besides no post credit scene, I would say that, uh, a movie like this is also important for the simple fact that, uh, it's being told to an American audience about German soldiers and the takeaway that this movie is famous for in, you know, Western, as in, you know, not Germany, mm-hmm. is uh, they were they were people too. You know, it's very yeah. easy to see in a movie, in a war film, like, I know this isn't World War II, but, you know, like Nazis and stuff as being any something other than a human, uh, being monsters. Mm-hmm. But I think that you need a movie like this 
to, you know, remind you that they were people, they were kids, and they were scared too. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. That is All Quiet on the Western Front. It is available now on Netflix. Before we head into the Best Ever Challenge, just a reminder that you can support what goes on here at Pop through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Um Fan funding is something that has been part of um, kind of podcasts and uh, YouTube channels and that kind of thing for a while now. And it's been really interesting to see that people love what goes on here enough to throw a couple bucks our way every month to say, hey, keep doing it. Um, Thank you so much to uh, people who do that for us. Uh, Just had someone increase the amount that they're supporting us with. That means a lot to us. It really does really does allow us to keep the website going, um, which I'm, I'm really proud of the... The ability of the Sifpop website to reach out to people who are curious about being, um, you know, writing about pop culture, writing about movies, and give them a space where they can find a little bit of an audience uh, to see if it's something they want to pursue further in their their life. Um, so yeah, it's been a really fun, interesting thing to see where Sifpop goes, and we've only been able to do that because of the support of some amazing uh Pop members at Patreon. So patreon.com slash Pop. You can check it out there. You can see the different levels. It starts at three bucks a month and the different things that happen. We also do a, uh, a separate podcast each week, most weeks, where we uh, talk about different things. We just finished up uh, a run on House of the Dragon season one in that and thinking about talking about maybe other shows like Andor, those kind of things, uh, as well as other pop culture topics. So if you're interested in any of that, head out to the Patreon, patreon.com slash siftpop, S-I-F-T-P-O-P. And thank you for even considering it. We appreciate it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's move into the best ever challenge. We're going to talk about best ever Kate Blanchett movies. We will go number five to number one. And uh, of course, if somebody has a movie higher, they can. Trump! They can do that. Uh, so, Andrew, let's start with you. What is your number five Kate Blanchett movie? She's been in a couple, mm-hmm. just a couple yeah, movies. Totally. totally. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, number five, I'm going to go with Thor Ragnarok. Me too! Hey! She's great in this, too. Mm-hmm. I love her I uh, interpretation of Hell. Uh, mm-hmm. It's... I think that this is the funniest uh, of all the Marvel movies, uh, but it doesn't sacrifice humor for story. Or, I mean, it doesn't sacrifice story for the humor. Yeah. Where And I think that that's where Thor Love and Thunder kind of fell short is it prioritizes the comedy over the story mm-hmm. at hand. Yeah. Uh, but I think that this movie was a perfect combination of both telling a great story and being a funny movie at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I uh, Thor Ragnarok, I, I don't know that I love it as much as some people do, but it's a really great movie and um, it's really fun. Uh, she's really fun in it. There's there's elements of her tar performance in this performance, which I which I find uh, interesting. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's just imbued with you know Taika Waititi's sense of humor and everything that he does. And yeah, Thor Ragnarok's a great watch. Uh, glad to have it at number five. Uh, let's move on to our number fours. What do you got at number four? Uh, this is where I have the Aviator. Oh, okay. That was in my honorable mentions. Hmm. Uh, one of my favorite movies, um, Howard Hughes is such a fascinating character and, uh, seeing Kate Blanchett play Mrs. Hepburn is, I mean, it's, it, she's perfect. I mean, she nails it. Um, I love, uh, this is kind of the, uh, the mad genius, uh, effect, um, and I think that Howard Hughes is seen as one of the mad, ge- mad geniuses of 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 an era, mm-hmm. and seeing what that kind of mentality can do, mixed with at the time unlimited financial resources, yeah. what can be achieved and uh, what can be dared. I guess I, yeah. I love this movie, Scorsese and DiCaprio. This is right around the time that they started working a lot together and realizing that they're perfect for each other. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely love The Aviator. Uh, I need to watch it again. I really do. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But um, but yeah, I I like that movie. I definitely yeah. like that movie. Um, number four? My number four is a movie that keeps on growing on me, even though it just came out. Don't Look Up is my number mm. four. Um I know a lot of people really didn't like this movie. In fact, I know a lot of people hated this movie. I just think it's such perfect satire. And some of the performances are the kind of performances that great actors don't often get to give, where they they get to be completely unhinged. And I think Leo's doing great stuff in this. I think uh, Jennifer Lawrence is doing great stuff in this. Meryl Streep is doing great stuff in this. Uh, but Kate Blanchett, as the news... Uh, you know, person in this yeah. is just so perfect. I think it's her and Tyler Perry, right? Play the, the yes. newscasters together. The kind of that typical that good morning America sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, sort of thing. And it's just so well done. Um, yeah, I think this is. I think this is a really good movie, and uh, I have it at number four. I'm with uh, you. I'm a defender of this film. I think. Yeah, it's, yeah I, think I think it's, it's a good. lot of fun, and it has something to say. Yes, sure does. Uh, number three, Andrew, what do you got at number three? Uh, number three, I have your favorite movie of all time, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. <laughs> this did not make my honorable mentions, but go ahead. Tell us uh, about uh, how amazing this movie is. I absolutely adore this movie. Uh, it, this is right around Wes Anderson peak, not 
trying to, I guess, be a, a household name. He's just trying to be weird as possible. And this movie is as weird as it can possibly get. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that he... I don't know what it was between this and Moonrise Kingdom, but he found something to where his movies can be uh, universally adored as opposed to, uh, you know, young hipsters who just think that this is just the bee's knees. Um, But I love this movie. He he did seem to find an accessibility button uh, at some point, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I don't know what what he did differently, really. Like, because I think that the the humor... I'm just kidding. I'm just I'm just messing with you. Savage. Uh but I think that you know the the dry humor and the blank, you know, uh, deadpan delivery of the actors is the same in like Moonrise Kingdom as it is here. Um I think that the characters are just as lovable and uh uh fallible here. I think that actually I think that Steve Zissou is a great comparison for Tar. Because it's about a person who is, you know, at the top of their field, mm-hmm. who is, you know, highly regarded and revered, and but once you get to know them as a individual, they're not really a great person. Mm-hmm. So, but I love this yeah. movie. I think it's it's definitely not for everybody. You have to know who you're recommending it to. Yeah. Yep. Not Aaron. Not me, not me, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> your number three. My number three is How to Train Your Dragon 2. Mm. Um, it is not my favorite How to Train Your Dragon movie. That is the first one. However, uh, it is an incredible movie, enough so that when I saw it, I actually ranked it higher than the original How to Train Your Dragon. That has since changed upon rewatch, but... Mm. Um, it takes everything about these characters in the first movie that I thought was cool, that I thought was fun. Um, this is my Game of Thrones. Uh, so, <laughs> you know. Game of Thrones bit, light. <laughs> a little bit different. Uh, but I really, really enjoy these movies. I think they're funny, but also uh, meaningful. And, um, yeah, How to Train Your Dragon 2 is a good one. So that's my Very number nice. three. Uh, number two, Andrew, what do you got? Funniest movie ever made, Hot Fuzz. My number two as well. Yay. I wonder what our number one's going to be. I wonder. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, this is what I consider the best, um, well, now I'm having a, uh, Edgar Wright film. Yeah, I think Cornetto this is the best trilogy. Edgar Wright yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I would just say it's his best film, like, even outside, like, Baby Driver or Last Night in Soho. Um, it's, it's a movie that is so infectiously funny. You can tell everybody who is making this movie was just having the time of their life and that carries through in the performances and the audience feeds off of it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a great comedy. It's a great parody and it's a great cop drama too. Like the actual murder mystery elements of it and like the cop trying to figure it out. That's all intriguing. This is a near perfect film. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I, it is just a joy to watch from beginning to end. It is just, yeah. um, it is, it's engaging as a comedy. It's engaging as an action movie. It's engaging as a uh, drama. Yeah, all three things work uh, in this movie. So, yeah, Yarp. I'm with you. Yarp indeed. Yeah. Uh, number one, probably no surprise. Yeah. It is the movie known as. 
Curious case of Benjamin. Curious Button. case of Benjamin Button. Um, and <laughs> by that, we mean the curious case of Gollum Button. Of uh, Gollum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings in mm-hmm. at number one, which Sif Pop uh, listeners know we consider one movie. Uh, those Peter, yeah. first three Peter Jackson films are a single film divided into three parts, and it lands in at number one for both of us. Uh, why don't you talk on it, Andrew? What can be said that we haven't said a million times <laughs> over? Um, I just recently uh, did a sit-through of the... 4k enhanced uh extended edition and uh just you know it's it's cinematic brilliance yeah uh i haven't watched uh, rings of power beyond the first two episodes so i can't really compare it to the new but uh this will be this will stand the test of time as like one of, if not the greatest movies mm-hmm. series ever made. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the, we've talked many times, the Hobbit, the, the main mistake the Hobbit made is it just tried to make three movies out of one. They should have yeah. been just one, one movie and tightened up. And I think it would have been, but money, Aaron, but money, but money. Um, you don't want any butt money. You don't um, want butt money. No. <laughs> so the uh, the TV show, uh, I'm on record as saying I love. Uh, I am all the way through all but the finale. I haven't watched the finale yet, and I am still absolutely loving it. It is bringing me all those wonderful Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings vibes in a new context with new characters. Well, some new characters, some that we know, including uh, Galadriel. Um, but I am, I'm really enjoying where they're taking that story and some of the history they're giving. And I think it's working really, really well. Um, what a fun universe, what a fun fantasy universe, uh, to explore. And, uh, these movies, you just, there's so much care. There's so much love and care in these movies. Um, all right. Honorable mentions. You want to throw yours out first? Yeah, I'll go through them real quick. Uh, a a brilliant movie, which I absolutely adore that nobody saw Babel. Mm, I yes. I really enjoy Babel. Um, her, Kate uh, Blanchett and Brad Pitt, their their storyline is so intriguing. Yet it's not the focal point of the movie. There there's like so many different stories being told over different cultures, different languages. You know, playing off Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that this is a criminally underseen movie. I think it's yeah. really good. Yeah. Uh, um, any others? Yeah, let's go with uh, Mowgli, the new mm-hmm. uh, Andy Circus. This might be probably this might be my favorite uh, interpretation of this work. Yeah, um, I think that it's uh, there's a there's a couple scenes that are just that bring a harshness harshness to the reality of the situation uh, that you know you don't get from the Disney version. You know, right? There's no bare necessities. You get a your childhood pet wolf's head mounted mm-hmm. right in front of you. Yep. Um, uh, I haven't seen this movie since it came out, and I really do need to re- revisit it. And that's the talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah. I revisited it recently, and it's it holds up. It's really, really Does good. It? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I need to do that then. And, and and we did mention it jokingly, but I actually do really enjoy this movie. And that's a curious case of Benjamin Button. Nice. It's nice. a long movie, and I can understand why people just get bored to death with it. But uh, I was intrigued from beginning to end. 
Only ones that you didn't mention that I have. Uh, I really enjoy the live action Cinderella. Uh, I think is is really good stuff and well worth mentioning. And then uh, Eyes Wide Shut probably also worth uh, worth mentioning in the conversation. Uh, so my so. uh, uh, what, what do we call it? Our list of shame. Eyes Wide Shut is. Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't feel like knocking off. Um, you know, uh, a movie like that off the list of shame is ever going to be a bad idea. So, um, you know, Kubrick, Kubrick is always one that even, <laughs> even, even if, even if you don't like it, you're going to be glad that you've processed it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. so, so yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. That just leaves us with our buried treasure for the week. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to let people know about? Uh, I'll kick us off. Have I, I have a habit of restating things that I love uh, mm. in this segment. Um, so forgive me. Have I talked about The Patient on Hulu? I uh, don't believe so. So The Patient is just finished up its first season. So even if I had talked about it early on, I do want to talk about the, fir- the first full season. And it follows uh, Steve Carell as a therapist who is uh, has a patient, played by Donald Gleason. Um, who is a serial killer. And he starts to open up to Steve Carell about this. And um, and Steve Carell can tell like he's not fully open. Like he's not saying he's a serial killer. He's just kind of opening up about some of his feelings. And Steve Carell can tell there's something deeper there. And so he kind of suggests like this is never going to work unless you're honest with me and talk to me honestly about what you're feeling and thinking. So Donald Gleason kidnaps him and locks him in his basement and they have therapy uh, there. And what's amazing about this this show, and I won't give anything else away, uh, is how authentically it feels like if this really happened, these would be the reactions and uh, situations of what's going on. Steve Carell is so good in this. Um, and as is Donald Gleason, um, this is one of those shows that would have been an incredible movie. And I often, I sometimes feel that way with these limited series where it's like, man, I really, I want to, I want to see the movie version of this that's kind of tightened up a little bit, but I'm also glad I saw the TV version of it. So, you know, that's kind of a little cognitive dissonance. But I would highly recommend it. It is on Hulu. It's a Hulu original, and I think it's well worth making your way through. The whole season is there. I believe it's 10 episodes, and they're short. They're like 25, 30 minutes uh, episodes. So, um, so again, 10 of those get you to you know, basically four or five hours um, of uh, content. So, yeah, The Patient on Hulu I think is worth your time. Nice. Um Maybe I'll pick that up next year whenever I finally finish Dahmer because <laughs> I yeah. have to wait like a week in between every episode of that show. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't know if I can handle another serial killer show right now. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. What do you got? Well, it's spooky season, Aaron, in a couple days. Spooky we got season. Halloween. And I figured, you know what? We've been, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, Halloween movie, literally Halloween movies uh, on the show recently and how much we hated them that i'm gonna recommend it for my buried treasure it's i'm cheating because we talk about this movie constantly but i think that if you're gonna watch a like scary movie during halloween you can't choose anything better than cabin in the woods 
because it's it's the perfect uh, it's the perfect ha- uh, Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's scary. It's intriguing. It's fresh. It's unique, and it has one of what can I would consider one of the greatest scenes in all of cinema, and that's the elevator purge. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, it's just so satisfying and gruesome and brutal but it's over so quickly that you you don't really get grossed out by it um yeah uh I, i've seen a couple people who are uh, on my uh on my friends list who are like I'm gonna, I, I watched a uh, cabin in the woods for the first time and uh i had no idea what i was getting into and i love i loved every single second of it so yeah i, I think cabin in the woods is the perfect halloween movie it looks like uh, Cabin in the Woods is available for rental or purchase. I don't see it streaming for free anywhere. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I completely associate myself with Andrew's comments. It is the perfect slasher film because it's it's a parody of a slasher film that is also a slasher film itself uh, in some ways. Um, and that's why uh, like uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz work. We were talking about them earlier. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't sacrifice one for the other. Shaun of the Dead doesn't sacrifice being a good zombie movie for being a good comedy zombie movie. Uh, same with Hafuz. It's a good uh, cop action f- film at the same time that it's funny. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you're going to find any movie out there at all like Cabin in the Woods. It's so fresh and unique. Yeah. There you go. That's Cabinet in the Woods. You can uh, rent or purchase that on most platforms. And then The Patient, uh, which is a TV show on Hulu. Uh, we did it, Andrew. Woo. We did so a proud of us. We did a podcast. Uh, it has happened. Uh, we didn't even have to become jerks and abuse people below us to do it. So congratulations. As much fun as that us. is. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for Sif Pop Today. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media. You can also search Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out with me again today. Well, thanks, buddy. And thank you to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving Ooh. monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Um, support starts at three bucks a month. You can check out all the details at patreon.com slash Lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Uh, you can also email us feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like this show, too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than nailing an Elgar cello solo. Uh, we will be back next week, probably with Banshees of Inishirin, uh, as well as Armageddon Time. Those are the two I'm thinking of right now. That can always change, but, uh, but hopefully you'll be back with us, and we'll talk movies then. Bye. Bye.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.